Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast, and today we'll be discussing one of my favorite things, the Oscar nominations. Then we'll be reviewing Roland Emmerich's latest disaster, Moonfall. Remember, we put timestamps in our episode descriptions if you want to jump back and forth. But first, we've got our weekly watch list and some big movie news to catch up on. So, Matt, why don't you tell us what you've been watching this week? Wait, did you say disaster or disaster movie? I did not say disaster movie. You heard me right. <laughs> That's okay. a nice uh, <laughs> oh, Hang on, there's a spider on my wall. Got him. Okay. What have I been watching this week? Um, so, uh, about a hit and a miss. Um... Let me pull them up real quick. I watched Howl's Moving Castle. It um, It's definitely not the strongest of Hayao Miyazaki's work. It's decent. It holds its own against the rest, but it's just not my favorite. But even if, even with that being said, the animation style is just truly gorgeous, like everything from that studio. And it's just, it was just fantastic. It's, one of my, it's still one of my favorites. Um, I also watched Home Team. The new Happy Madison project from Adam Sandler's seemingly never-ending deal with Netflix. It's a your generic sort of wannabe heartwarming sports film. It's a script that probably wouldn't have been a hit with me even if it didn't have the most bizarre premise of all time, or at least of recent memory. The thing about this movie, for those of you that may not have seen the trailer or don't know about it, it takes place during the year that Sean Payton was suspended during Bounty Gate, or from Bounty Gate, and it features Kevin James portraying a fictionalized version of Sean Payton during that time frame. I, I don't know why I went into this movie expecting anything else, because that's exactly pretty much what the trailer portrayed. But yet, I gave it the benefit of the doubt, and I watched it, and I got exactly what I thought it was going to be, which was inexplicable trash. And I'm glad you watched it for us. <laughs> oh, man. I will say, it did. I did get a couple chuckles out of it, but the majority of it was just a slog. Um, the most egregious thing it did, though, and I will spoil this one, because it, it doesn't really matter to the plot that much, and to... Just don't watch this movie. It, the most groan-inducing point of this movie came at the very end, where Kevin James's Sean Payton walks into his old office after his suspension, because, you know, what's more heartwarming than a coach being suspended for putting bounties on players, right? Um, and trying to get people hurt for no reason. Um, he walks into the old, his old coach's office, and he finds this janitor there who's just cleaning up and the janitor turns around lo and behold it's it's the it's the actual sean payton doing a cameo as a janitor <laughs> just to drop the line wow coach we're glad you're back we really sucked without you wait so i have to ask you this it, could this movie have just been about a professional coach who is suspended for something much less heinous and like had to coach his son's team could it have been that it could have been it absolutely could have been which is just adds to the, just, I, I have just, I am just so dumbfounded that they decided to take this generic, you know, sport movie script and paste it into such a bizarre 
time frame of a person. But it's just, it, I have hard, I still have a hard time kind of finding words for it. Does anyone play Roger Goodell? No, but they uh, they have someone pretending not to know how to say his name, which is just as funny. <laughs> what? It was in the trailer. It's in the trailer. The Roger Goodell. Yeah, she's like Mr. Goodall. <laughs> Uh, um, also, it features notable anti-vaxxer Rob Schneider as a yogi, which... Does it need to be said that a Happy Madison film features Rob Schneider? Yeah. I think that's just a given. Well, didn't he, didn't he get cut from Grown Ups 2? Like, was he not in, wasn't he not in Grown Ups 2? I heard that was because his wife had just had a newborn. What? So he got cut out of a movie? Well, I don't think he was cut out. I just think he was not participating. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. It, it wasn't because he was up in Canada with a bunch of truckers blocking the highways over vaccine mandates. I, I know nothing of that. I was too busy watching the animal. <laughs> oh, no, no. It could have been, been when he was doing the Bob's Discount Furniture commercials. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about that. They have Bob's Discount Furniture, for anybody who doesn't know, is a discount furniture uh chain by now yes i believe so yeah i yeah. think so and so they have rob schneider who's the last person i ever expected to see in this and i don't know if you guys have seen the new ones do you know who else is in this deal who vanilla ice <laughs> you're kidding me <laughs> what? the commercial is like this couple who are trying to buy something and he's like oh yeah fresh new style and they're like Oh, good thing it's not from the 90s. The 90s had terrible fashion. He's like, well, not all bad. And they're like, we don't want anything that's vanilla. And just, <laughs> oh, my God. He gets upset. Uh, I will say, though, Rob's, Rob's uh, performance in those commercials is probably much better than his performance in this movie. So, again, I don't know what I was expecting it to be because I saw the trailer and thought it looked awful, and I watched it anyway. But it wasn't... The best I'll say is it wasn't any worse than the trailer portrays. So if you saw the trailer and you're like, yeah, this looks good, or this looks entertaining, or this looks passable, then you know, you're pretty much getting what what you're paying for there. So that's the best praise I'll give it. They, if, they... if you're one of those people who, who watched that and said this was good, I'd, I'd enjoy this, just, just can you tell us why? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> case, case study. <laughs> Much like the Tyler. ones that watched the Moonfall trailer. Well, I thought that would be okay, but spoiler, it wasn't. Tyler, did you watch Home Team or anything else this week? I, I Thankfully, I did not watch Home Team this week, but I did watch Nightmare Alley, finally. And, you know, after you guys saying how boring it was, and, like, I'm, my, my final thought when this movie was over, I was like, imagine a person that thought this movie was boring, but liked <laughs> Don't Look Up. And I was just, like, insane that people like that can exist. Hello. <laughs> yep. What's up? No, I, I love this movie. I thought it was really good. I was invested throughout. I, I, I didn't find it boring at all. Did you have a moment to, did you have a chance to pause it, like, or did you just watch it straight through? I watched it straight through. Hmm. Well, uh, a peek to upcoming weeks, we'll be talking about that movie more, so stay tuned for that. Did you watch anything else? Well, the Book of Boba Fett finale came out today. That was solid. But I won't spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I got okay, home and didn't have quite enough time. <laughs> Boba Fett dies. 
I have no con. I I was kind of interested, but that that was honestly one trailer that like turned me off of the project. I was like, eh. But I know you guys like it, so maybe one day. Uh, I just want to highlight one movie quickly. I watched this new movie called Sundown. This is about a man on vacation with his family in Mexico who makes a controversial decision when family tragedy strikes. Sounds very vague. I'd like to keep it vague. This is one of those movies that you should kind of go in not knowing too, too much. It's written and directed by Michel Franco. It's a really, really fascinating movie. There are about 20 left turns in it. It's one of those where it's very serene and contemplative for a few stretches, but then it's interrupted by these sudden flashes of chaos. Tim Roth plays this character who at once seems so empty, so mysterious. I still can't really figure this guy out. There are a ton of different ways to read this movie. Excellent discussion material. Uh, I would love to talk about it with anybody else who has seen it or is willing to see it. You guys ready to head to some movie news? For sure. I'm ready. All right, we got a big one. Let's start with the Netflix trailer for their 2022 movie slate. This thing starts off, you click on the link, it turns on, and it starts with J-Lo talking directly into the camera, followed by many, many big stars doing the same with a lot of glimpses of some very cool-looking movies. Uh, I liked it a lot. Matt, what did you think when you were watching this? I, I thought it looked interesting, I guess. I, um, I don't really remember any of them really standing out to me. I mean, they all looked interesting, for sure. But um, I don't remember really having much of a reaction to it. Tyler, what was your reaction? My reaction was like, are these actual scenes from the movie? Are the actors just going to break character <laughs> to talk to me and ask me if I'm, if I'm ready to see worlds that I couldn't have imagined? Yeah, I, I was very impressed with the way they did this. It, it got me really excited for this slate of movies. I... You know, it's a complicated issue around streaming and movie theaters and all this stuff. But if I'm trying to be positive, I it was just cool to see that Netflix is committed to movies and putting out movies and making new movies. I love that they they give these uh, successful directors who are ambitious. They, you know, fund their projects and uh, give them a good platform and all that where a lot of people can see it. I like the stars, a lot of cool stuff. What I thought was very odd was... Ryan Gosling speaking directly to the camera. He's um, Ryan Gosling, not a person who does like a ton, a ton of publicity. He's not cold or anything like that. He seems like a lovely man, but um, not always a, a, a Ryan Reynolds type. And I don't mean that in a good or bad way. Uh, so that was kind of odd to see. And along with all this stuff, I'm sure Netflix is going to have a lot more prestige films scattered, either scattered or probably later in the year they are super big awards contenders which we're we're going to talk about in a minute here but i thought we might stroll through some of the the glimpses that we see we have the mother which is an action movie by nikki caro we have the adam project this is going to reunite sean levy and ryan reynolds here's the description i got a time traveling pilot teams up with his younger self and late father to come to terms with his past while saving the future. And you know what, guys? I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch it. I'm ready to embrace Ryan Reynolds and what he has to offer the movie world. Tyler, will you join me? Uh, the Gemini Man already perfected people meeting their younger selves, so I'm good. Yeah, no. but the Gemini Man <laughs> didn't have the his older father or his um, late father. 
Yeah, that is true. That is a point against Gemini Man. I have just one super huge nitpick with Gemini Man that I, I won't get into here, but it's it's bothered me from the second I saw it on screen. Just just to let you know, I've never seen Gemini Man. <laughs> um, topic for another day. We have Day Shift. This is Jamie Foxx who uses a pool cleaning job as a front to hunt vampires. I did not get this from his spot in, in the trailer until a giant vampire jumped over his shoulder. Then I kind of got the idea. Uh, we have The Gray Man. This is really exciting. This is an action thriller based on a Mark Graney novel. This is directed by the Russos. They're first since Cherry, unless I'm mistaken. So, uh, you know, I'm waiting for something after Cherry. This is starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Ana de Armas. Woo! We haven't seen Ryan Gosling since First Man, guys, in 2018. That is a best actor snub that I wish had not happened. But Ryan Gosling, one of my favorite stars. I'm super excited to see him. They didn't put the flag on the moon. <sighs> let's, let's, not, let's not rehash it. <laughs> if, if we do a Ryan Gosling pod, which I hope we can do, then we can talk about it. Or a Damien Chazelle, which we should do at the end of the year. Uh, Spiderhead, this is based on the short story by George Saunders, who's one of my favorite authors, starring Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. Where are you guys on Miles Teller these days? He's kind of popping in and out of different things. Uh, he's going to be in, in Maverick later this year. Where are you guys on that? Uh, I'm indifferent. That's that's an accurate way to describe Miles Teller. Like I've seen movies I didn't like with him in it, and I've seen movies I liked with him in it, but like I can't tell you like any Miles Teller performance that I've ever been like wowed by. <laughs> what not no Whiplash? No yeah, Whiplash was whiplash fine. Is great. <laughs> I mean, it was good. I just I don't I don't know. All right, we get Slumberland. This is about a girl traveling through dreams and nightmares with the help of an eccentric outlaw who I believe is Jason Momoa, in hopes that she will get to see her late father again. Uh, this is based on a book, Little Nemo in Slumberland by Windsor McKay. If this is a big, kind of like surrealist adventure, I'm into it. Looks cool. A lot of people teaming up with their late fathers in this uh I think she's list. searching for her late father. Oh. Wait, what? She's but searching there... for a man she knows is dead? Yeah. It is Slumberland. Is he going to show up and show her where the knife is so she can get out of predicaments? Um, I'm not going to say what that is because that would be a spoiler. <laughs> we have a Medea homecoming. I was under the impression that Medea was done. That was what I thought after mm -hmm. uh, Medea's. What was. A Medea funeral or something like that? I thought it was over. But Medea's just back. getting started. Yeah. Medea's coming back. This isn't even her final form. <laughs> <laughs> they have a movie called They Clone Tyrone. Just wanted to point that out. I think it's a cool title. Uh, the School for Good and Evil. That's based on some uh, fantasy novels. And The End of the Road, starring Queen Latifah and Ludacris. I feel like we haven't seen <laughs> Queen Latifah in quite a while. Although The Tiger Rising was out of theaters in like one or two weeks. What about What about The Equalizer? Oh, the show, The Equalizer? Yeah. I didn't watch it, did you? No, I just know she's in it. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is from IMDb. Here's the description. A recently widowed Brenda drives her family cross-country to start a new life. 
In the New Mexico desert, cut off from help, they must learn to fight back when they become the targets of a mysterious killer. Sounds kind of like the hills have eyes, but I'm into it. I just find it odd they named the character in the synopsis when they could have just used woman there. Just odd that they're like a recently divorced Brenda is, is traveling and then a killer happens. Come on. Hey, it humanizes her, man. But is the is the killer played by Ludacris? I doubt that they would just give that away right in the in the IMDb description before we even get a trailer. But maybe, maybe that's the twist that Ludacris. A recently divorced killer. Brenda is chased by the killer, Ludacris. <laughs> yeah, he he gives it away every time he goes to kill. He goes Luda. <laughs> Cut that out. That sounds terrible. <laughs> now that's staying in. All right, we get uh, we're getting Wendell and Wild. This is a movie that Henry Selleck did with Key and Peele. I don't like just put me in a theater right now and let me watch that. That's all I want is Wendell and Wild, Key Peele and Henry Selleck, who has made some of my favorite movies. And finally, Knives Out too. That was like the big showcase. Um, apparently, popular enough where just Daniel Craig looking at the screen is going to make everybody go nuts. So You weren't hooting and hollering? No. I, I mean, I'm excited, but I wasn't, like, I knew it was happening. I mean, it, there's no Ana de Armas going to be in this one, so. Well, they're like, ah, oh, we can't have Ana de Armas and we can't have Chris Evans in this, so we'll just make a movie starring them. <laughs> That's why the gray man was <laughs> That's true. And Blonde should be coming at some point, so. Let's go. So that's Netflix. I'm sure there will be a ton. I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot of those movies. So I'm, I'm hyped for it. We also have a trailer for this movie, After Yang. This is the description from Wikipedia. In a world where robots are purchased as live-in babysitters, a father and daughter attempt to save the life of their robotic family member who has become unresponsive. This is written and directed by Koganata, starring Colin Farrell, Jody Turner-Smith, Justin H. Mean. Uh, what'd you guys feel, or how'd you feel? about the trailer for After Yang. I got some real Detroit Become Human vibes from that. Even though the plot isn't quite the same. But they have a very similar um, setup in that video game. Which is more like an interactive movie almost. Where basically like androids are live-in babysitters. And then they sort of have a, have a conflict over their freedom and stuff. Yeah, uh, one of my top favorite authors ever, uh, Kazuo Ishiguro, his latest novel is called Clara and the Sun. It was also about this kind of purchasing an AI friend for children. Uh, we're seeing this kind of thing a lot in movies, this question of like, what is the human relationship to AI if AI is to become advanced? I found this trailer really fascinating. I love Colin Farrell in these like contemplative but odd movies such as The Lobster. It was a really interesting clip in it um where yang the ai says may i be honest with you and you know it's just like oh well would ai have the capacity to knowingly lie and all this stuff so i i found this very interesting i'm excited for this one they have the capacity to take over the moon so they might just <laughs> spoilers man come on you know i don't even i feel like we shouldn't even care about well no no we've got to be consistent but i'm yeah I don't want to encourage people to see the movie either. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. 
Don't you worry. Stay tuned for our review of Moonfall. But first, we got to get to the Oscar nominations. This is one of my favorite days of the entire year. I'll ask before we get into the specifics, did you guys have any big reactions? Were there any snubs or surprises that stoked an emotional response in you? I think you guys might already have an idea what my answer is going to be. Say it for the people. No Way Home got snubbed for Best Picture. Was it snubbed? And yes, yes it was. I disagree about it being snubbed personally. I, I, no, listen, I don't know what the criteria is for Best Picture, but you can't downplay this cultural impact that this movie had. And not, never mind the sheer amount of money it made. I know it's not all about the money made, but... Because obviously Venom that's made a ton of money, the, and that was not neither trash of that too, is, but is an Oscar cat thing though. Like that's not what the Academy's looking for. Okay, what are they looking for? A, a good movie. <laughs> well, that then, that's a huge conversation uh... of what the Academy's looking for. But I, <laughs> I don't want to get into the the process of of Academy member ballots and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't. I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen either. But I'm still mad about it. All right, fair enough. I think that's fair. Here's what we did get. Oh, I had a couple. Pick. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, the two major ones for me acting were Nicolas Cage and Pig absolutely deserved one, and I think Jodie Comer and Last Duel absolutely deserved a nod. Oh, yeah, Last Duel. I, I want to add on to that. I agree. That one definitely. Well, people are complaining about House of Gucci and Gaga, but no. Jodie Comer and I just want to know how, how Lady Gaga reacted to the news that she wasn't nominated. I don't think I want to see that. That would make me upset. I love Lady Gaga. Uh, here's our Best Picture nominees. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, I was very surprised by, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. I, d- I just want to interject, uh, Tyler. So you're telling me that Don't Look Up belongs there, but Stay No Way Home doesn't? No, I was just about to say I'm gonna amend my fat thing that they're looking for a good movie because they nominated Don't Look Up. So I, I I'm lying. <laughs> no, that was that was happening the whole time. We uh, here's a weird thing though is that four of these, uh, Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, Dune, and Don't Look Up, none of them have acting nominations, um, which I, I found a little fascinating. Here are the major snubs. Like you said, the last duel, last duel completely shut out. Nada, nothing. House of Gucci was always kind of like on the borderline. I think it got, yeah, it got makeup, um, but not much else. The Lost Daughter, which shows up later, but didn't get Best Picture. Tragedy of Macbeth. Being the Ricardos, which got more nominations than I thought it was going to, but not in Best Picture. Passing was shut out, which I, I never expected this to be a major contender, contender, but it got nothing, which I was very surprised by. French Dispatch got nothing. Come on, come on. Mass should have gotten at least one acting nom, if not uh, three or four. Pig shut out. Red Rocket shut out. All snubs. Not that I I like all the movies that are in Best Picture. Uh, we have reviewed, I believe, five of them, and we'll be reviewing the other ones in the future. But I, I think it's a good class, if not a little, I don't want to say boring, but a little like... Okay, this is kind of what I expected. Well, at this point, I mean, they're all pretty much similar quality to even some of the ones that got snubbed. So it, it's a, if you're looking at my personal preference on, on a lot of these, you know, it's easy to say that one was snubbed, this one was snubbed. But I can't say the ones that were snubbed are necessarily greatly better movies than the ones that are there. If you, if you get what I'm saying, like, 
Like yeah, I do get what you're saying. Like I Pig, think for instance. Right. Pig was a great movie. I'd pay, rank Pig right up there with like I don't know what did I see? Licorice Pizza. Like I would put those at pretty even keel. So it's hard for me to say one belongs there and not the other. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, the idea of the Academy expanding the nominees past five into potentially ten, and now it's definitely ten, um, was made to highlight more films, and, you know, now we're still kind of not satisfied, which is interesting. Here's what we you know got what for... Find... Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, what I find interesting is, like, a movie like Don't Look Up and or a couple others that really get nominated for Best Picture, but not, like, actor... Supporting actress, director, um, write like screenplay, like it's the best picture, but like nothing else about it is good enough to be nominated. I just find that odd, and that happens quite a bit. But well, that's kind of what I'm why it's strange to not yeah. at least see Spider Man up there because I mean you could say that similar thing like okay the acting in Spider Man may not have gotten any noms, but as far as picture of the year, as far as like. Again, I, 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 I kind of, I want to think of it as like cultural relevance and cultural, cultural significance. You know, a lot, a lot of these films do have that. Here's the strangest one to me is Nightmare Alley. It got four nominations, Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Production Design, and Costume Design. Which, you know, uh, congratulations to all those people nominated. I think that's great. But one, I was not expecting Nightmare Alley to be here. It didn't get director, it didn't get screenplay, it didn't get any acting nominations. To me, that's the prime example of what you're talking about, Tyler, is that this is best picture, but just like was largely absent from some of the other above-the-line categories, which I found strange. So how does Don't Look Up not fall into that? I'm curious. It's the same. Because it's awesome. I mean, Leo DiCaprio (laughs) killed it in that movie. And yet they didn't kill it because he didn't even get nominated for it. Yeah, I mean, it at le- that at least got original screenplay. Well, yeah, true. Which is a recognition okay. of the story. Yeah. But um, Nightmare Alley did not get adapted screenplay, which they, is, again, it's weird. But hey, so be it. I, I'd really like to re-examine that movie, so I'm excited for the chance to do that. Was it adapted? It's not on the list. Yeah, because it wasn't nominated. When, no, it's. Come? No, Don't Look Up is original. I'm saying Nightmare oh, Alley did oh, not get adapted. adapted. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at the wrong yeah. category. Yeah, okay, yep. Here's what we've got okay, for yes. lead actress. Mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I was kind of nervous that this one wasn't going to happen. Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. A surprise there, but very cool. Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos. And Kristen Stewart for Spencer. So I, I made this point on Twitter when these got announced. I'm so glad to see two out of the five members of the 355 on here. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting uh, that that was their, their follow-up to their movies, but I still haven't seen Parallel Mothers. I haven't seen Spencer, um, so hopefully I get a chance to see those before the awards. I think everyone else is very deserving. Actually, I, I don't love Kidman here, and I really like Nicole Kidman, but I was just really not into being the Ricardos. Especially that, I want to make a point later about that. Here are the snubs. No Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, who I, I just, I don't know if she should be here, but I feel really no. bad for her that she isn't. She shouldn't be. The Dracula accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alana Haim. No Alana Haim. 
I'm okay with it. I liked her a lot, but I'm I'm fine that this is an an Oscar nominated performance. Uh, no Jennifer Hudson for respect. No Rachel Zegler for West Side Story, and Tessa Thompson for passing. Again, passing completely shut out. Anybody else that you guys wanted to see in this category? I'm gonna say it again. Jodie Comer deserved much more for the last duel. No, yeah. Who we got for that. lead actor? Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, expected. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, thank God. Will Smith for King Richard, thank God. And Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. I wasn't sure that that was going to happen, but it did. Here are the snubs for that one. Peter Dinklage, Cyrano. Cyrano just super underperformed. We haven't even seen Cyrano. Yeah, that's part of the issue is that sometimes the strategy of kind of release it late actually helps like the father did that last year and it actually worked really well for the father but Cyrano is at this point is coming out like June 16th so I don't I don't know when we're gonna get to see that and I'm like really disappointed um another snub Bradley Cooper for Nightmare Alley thought maybe that would have happened if they liked it for best picture DiCaprio yeah DiCaprio for Don't Look Up thought maybe was gonna happen um I mean, it's not his best performance, but I thought there was a chance that it would be there. I mean, I think Cooper was better in Licorice Pizza than he was in Nightmare Alley. Fair enough. equally as good. Believe me, that's going to be a snub later. Nick Cage for Pig, Simon Rex for Red Rocket, and Mahershala Ali, I thought maybe had a slight chance for his movie Swan Song. I just saw that recently. That movie's really cool. Anybody else here that you guys wanted to see? For lead actor? Um... I'm going to keep going back to the last duel probably, but Matt Damon, Adam Driver. Hmm. I don't know if those would technically be co-supporting, much like a Kaluuya and Stanfield deal, but... Yeah. Yeah, I... Rob I, Delaney for Home Sweet Home Alone. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Archie is... Yates for Home Sweet Home Alone. <laughs> He's the lead actor fun, in that. This is a fun part of the podcast. Let's not bring that in. <laughs> Michael Myers for Halloween Kills. <laughs> no. Here's who we got for supporting actress. Uh, Jesse Buckley, Ariana DeBose, Judy Dench in Belfast. I, I just got to say, I'm not into this. I thought Katrina Balfe was going to get this if there was going to be a, a supporting actress nomination for Belfast. I, I frankly wasn't into the Judy Dench performance. Nothing against Judy Dench. Just not her best performance for me. That's Dame Judy Dench to you. Yeah, sorry, Dame Judy Dench. Uh, Kirsten Dunst and Anjanou Ellis for King Richard. Thank God she is in there. Snubs, as I mentioned, Katrina Balfe. Kate Blanchett got a couple of precursors for Nightmare Alley. Thought maybe she would get in here. Here's the thing, is that, to me, the best performance in Being the Ricardos was Nina Arianda. And she is missing here. And I think that is is foolish, especially since every other acting category has a nomination for being the Ricardos and not this one, which I find ridiculous. And also Ruth Nega, who was my winner for supporting performance of the year. Not here. Ridiculous. Best supporting actor. We got Sierra Hines, Troy Kotzer for Coda, uh, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. I There was an inkling that this was going to happen. I wasn't sure that it was going to i'm kind of surprised 
J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. Uh, I'm a big J.K. Simmons fan, but eh, this could have not been here, and I would have been fine. And Cody Smith-McPhee for the power of the dog, and I don't know if anybody's getting it over him unless there's some crazy surprise. Yeah. Uh, Snubs for that one, Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza. It's a very small role, but I think it could have gotten there. Ben Affleck for both The Last Duel and The Tender Bar. And he got a Razzie nomination for The Last Duel, which is no. I just want to say the Razzies are a joke right now. (laughs) Not even right now. I mean, The Shining Shining got a Razzie nomination. So they're just a a huge joke, and I'm tired of them. Yeah. Agreed. But it's... that that role was phenomenal. Like, it, it, unless you like saw it as like trying to be serious, it wasn't. So like for what it was, it was really good for the last duel. Yeah, the definition of like breaking up all the like disgusting vileness mm-hmm. of a movie with with his performance. Yeah, Jamie Dornan for Belfast thought he might get in. Mike Feist for West Side Story. David Strathairn, I don't think there was a, a chance that he was getting in here, but I really liked him in Nightmare Alley. He was actually probably the highlight of that movie for me. And, guys, it, it didn't happen. Jared Leto did not get nominated. Oh, and no. How could that grateful. have happened? I, they didn't like House of Gucci. He also got a Razzie nom. Not that I care about the Razzies, but that was interesting. Uh, director... We have Paul Thomas Anderson, Kenneth Branagh, Jane Campion, Miyazuki Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. I didn't think we were going to see Spielberg. He hasn't been nominated for the last few movies he's done, even the ones that were nominated for Best Picture. So, good, so good for I read Steven a thing. Again. I read an article today. I can't remember exactly which outlet it said, but basically it said that Spielberg has been nominated for, I want to say, Best Director specifically for the last six decades at least once yeah i i think he has a good chance at this one honestly um i think it's going to be jane campion uh i thought for sure that denis villeneuve was going to get nominated for dune especially since dune was i believe the second most nominated it got uh, so many technical categories and no director seems kind of odd. Julia Ducarno for our, for Titan. I mean, the Academy has already kind of shown its ignorance of Titan already. No Del Toro and no McKay, which I, I didn't super expect to be there, but there was a chance. Animated feature. This was not the strongest year for animation for me. We had Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchell vs. Machines, and Riot and The Last Dragon, which is, I think, pretty much what everybody expected. There's no Sing 2 here, which I'm, I'm just glad I don't have to watch Sing 2. <laughs> you don't want to see Bono rocking out? <laughs> so, no, he's not rocking out because of his lion wife. <laughs> Didn't you watch the trailer? <laughs> so Disney, So Disney is dominating this category once again? Yeah, which I, I, I have mixed feelings about. I I mean, fully admit it, I love Disney. I'm a big Disney fan. I think they consistently put out quality stuff. I would like to see non-Disney stuff win just to like open up the gate wider for other kinds of animation to succeed widely. That's what I would like to see. 
Um, but I, I expect it's going to be one of the Disney projects unless it is the Mitchells versus the Machines or Flea, which could be cool. Is that about the Red Hot Chili Peppers bassist? It is not. It is about uh, a refugee's life. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nominated three times in international documentary and animated feature. The first movie ever to do that, I believe. Uh, very, very amazing film. International feature. Speaking of, we got Drive My Car. So I did some research on how many times these specific countries have been nominated for this award and the numbers were a little bit conflicting in this so i apologize for any inaccuracies drive my car will be japan's either 13th or 14th nomination flea will be denmark's 14th the hand of god is italy's either 29th or 34th nomination there was like a big discrepancy amongst the sources i used uh, Lunana, a yak in the classroom. This is Bhutan's first nomination for this award. So congratulations to Bhutan and all the people who were involved in that film. And the worst person in the world, which is Norway's sixth nomination of film. I don't think many people in the U.S. have been able to see just yet. Do you guys want to take a guess at what is the most nominated country in the history of this award? France. It is France. Yeah, that's oh. what I was going to guess. That was a boring game, but yes, it is France. <laughs> uh, How many has France gotten? Oh, God, you're going to make me pull up the numbers. And Let you're going to tell me Tatan didn't get one of them? <laughs> Maybe they figured France had enough. Yeah, like France, you've, you've gotten enough of these. Big Snub, a hero, the new Asgard for Hottie film. I thought for sure that that was going to get it. I like that movie a lot, but uh, not this year. Documentary, the only thing I want to mention in documentary is Summer of Soul. I just watched this. This is Questlove's movie about the Harlem Cultural Festival. This is like dynamite from second one to the very end. Has all this, it's the perfect use of archival footage where, first of all, the footage that they took um, was of amazing quality. Thank God that was saved and not thrown out. But it's, take this archival and it mixes it up with the culture of the time you dip in and out of all these pools of different musicians, performers, activists, all these different things that were happening at the time. And there's so much energy. There's this constant drum line underneath it all. It never dies. Go check out Summer of Soul. It is on Hulu. Highly recommend it. And I look forward to watching the other nominees as well. Adapted screenplay. We got Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, The Power of the Dog, no Nightmare Alley and no West Side Story. I thought West Side Story had a good chance because I thought uh, the Tony Kushner scripts improved upon some of the aspects of the you know the original, which is one of the most beloved Hollywood productions of all time. But alas, it was not to be. And original screenplay, we have Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World, which is a surprise. Can you and, imagine someone seeing the screenplay to Don't Look Up and being like, this is Oscar-worthy? I can't. <laughs> I'm going to invite Adam McKay on the show next time. Yeah. And let's... I'm just going to leave you two alone. All right, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, Adam, what's 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 your problem? <laughs> His problem is climate change. I don't, did you watch the movie? I did. I was beaten over the head with that problem repeatedly <laughs> through well, that movie. Don't worry. I didn't miss it. We're going to be beaten over the head with bad climate if we don't do something. I guess. Fair enough, but that doesn't make his movie good. 
Tyler, the only you, Tyler, you just uh, gotta look up, man. Quit, quit looking at the dog in the hills and look up. He told me not to, so I can't. Sorry. It's no, Tyler, title. Tyler can't see the dog in the hill. Uh, the only, I don't want to call this a snub for original screenplay, but one that I would have liked to have seen was uh, Swan Song, which is about a man, Mahershala Ali, who is dying, and so he has like a a clone i suppose of himself made that is going to replace him so that his family will never know that he died super fascinating concept a movie that like explores it just enough where it leaves you with enough questions that could have been cool unless uh that may have been adapted from something but i don't believe so if it wasn't here's some random tidbits cyrano did get nominated for something costume design which yay cyrano can't wait to see it uh, no Time to Die got a couple best sound and visual effects. Coming to America, which was a funny movie, I liked it. Nowhere near the original, but pretty good. Got makeup and hairstyling. And Matt, pre- prepare to cheer because Free Guy, Shang-Chi, and Spider Man got visual effects nominations. So, Oscar nominated Free Guy. Vindicated right here. I hope I'm using that word correctly. Vindicated. Did you have you ever heard that word anywhere besides the dashboard confessional song? Speaking of Spider-Man, yeah. Um, <laughs> um no. Yeah. <laughs> well, can't wait to talk more about these Oscar nominees over the coming weeks and to watch the Oscars in March. We're going to take a break for a minute, and we're going to be back with our review of Moonfall. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag BecauseComics. All right, we're back with our review of Moonfall. The moon is out of orbit, and a team of space travelers must stop it while everyone on Earth must escape the deadly effects of the moon's meltdown. This is directed by Roland Emmerich, written by Emmerich, Harold Closer, and Spencer Cohen. General thoughts, guys. Matt, what did you think of Moonfall, and would you recommend it? You know, I'm. I want to be. I'm. I'm usually. I feel like I'm usually pretty generous when I when I talk about movies. I'm willing to give plenty of slack. And with all that said, this movie was terrible. And you know, at first, when we first walked out of there, I was willing to give it like. At least put it on the list for unintentional merit because there were some parts I was I was kind of laughing at how bad it was, but the more I thought about it, it's like no, no, it just not even worth a second thought. It the dialogue was so cheesy. The stakes were just un for a for a movie about fall um, the moon like falling and killing everybody. The stakes were just uninteresting and. Just uh, Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson—they they deserve better than than these roles because they really tried their best, in my opinion. But the script and the premise, and there's just I can't I can't really think of 
anything I liked anymore. Like there were things that I thought I liked when I was watching it, and they quickly, I quickly forgot about them within a day or two. I, I do not recommend this movie. Like I wholly do not recommend this movie, and I hardly ever say that definitively. Tyler, what about you? So I went into this movie hoping it'd be like a so bad it was good, and like a you know if it was bad at least it'd be funny, maybe entertaining. You know, get some of that Roland Emmerich destruction. Oh my! This movie was so bad it was terrible. Like I, I've never been more bored in a movie theater than this movie. I just I, I I was struggling to stay awake during this. I I fell asleep for an unspecified amount of time. Could have been tw- ten minutes. Could have been thirty seconds. I have no idea because this movie is nonsensical. I don't know if I missed any or if that was just the plot was how that was going. So. Oh, so was that your head on my shoulder? Like yeah. halfway through? <laughs> I, I knew I felt something there. Uh, but th- this movie, I mean, wooden characters, or wooden acting, cardboard cutout characters, just I didn't get invested in anything. It, it's lost in its own nonsense where it starts unraveling the plot and you're just like, this is dumb. Uh, just it's not even good Roland Emmerich destruction. Independence Day looked better than anything in this film, and that was twenty plus years ago. Twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, going to be twenty six now. Yeah, twenty six years ago. Look, everything looked better in this. The effects and everything looked better than this movie. Um, I do recommend this movie if you just want to go and have a nice nap. You'll 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 enjoy a nice nap during this. Trust me, you won't stay awake. Yeah, it's very similar. I went into this expecting some some dumb fun. For the first 20 or 30 minutes, I was enjoying it okay. For the rest of the time, Tyler, just like you, I was fighting to stay awake. Like, my eyes would barely stay open. I'd have to shift in my seat, like, just to make sure that I stay awake. And I'm not a person who does that. I never fall asleep in a theater. I don't Me fall either. asleep in public. I don't even fall asleep in my house unless I'm like going to bed so I honestly thought that like something was wrong with my body I'm like am I not getting enough sleep am I getting up too early going to bed too late I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to drive but then I immediately woke up after we left the theater (laughs) if you know that feeling where it's like late at night and you pop something on tv and you're like your eyes are fluttering and you don't know if you can get up and make it to bed that was my experience of moonfall (laughs) So, so that is one way I will kind of break from you guys a little bit in that I, I wasn't falling asleep during this movie. I was fully awake and I was following it, but mostly because I was just trying to make a sense of uh, such a nonsensical, overly convoluted plot that my mind was just working overtime so I couldn't fall asleep. Mm, yeah, I, I was trying to do that, couldn't do it. This movie manages to insult both Italy and New Jersey in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. The story should have been much simpler than this. It's unnecessarily convoluted and not even in a fun way. And that's really my biggest complaint. The story can be stupid. The dialogue can be bad, but it has to be fun. And this isn't. I cannot recommend this. If you're a fan of disaster movies, maybe you'll like it, but it's not for me. That doesn't mean I'm trying to trash the movie, but that was my experience of it. As for the performances, I thought everyone was trying. Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, uh, my hat's off to him. He put his all into it. Michael Pena, Charlie Plummer, who was very good in a movie called Lean on Pete a few years ago, um, not doing much in this. Not that he was given much to do, because he really was not, but not doing it for me in this. Kelly Yu was okay. 
The best part of the movie was a two-minute cameo by Donald Sutherland, where he literally comes in, dumps some exposition, and then gets the heck out of there and cashes his check. You know, I, I, I want to sort of add on to the point about the performances, in that the performances in this movie remind me a lot of the 355, in that it's another one that had significant actors in it that I'm sure were trying the best they could but the the script and the story just didn't get either didn't give them enough to do or didn't justify their talent up their level of talent being in it other than the fact that I'm sure they're obviously getting paid to be there yeah, yeah I I agree in that there are some moments that are like Again, nobody expected this to be the dramatic event of the year, but there are a few moments that are trying to be like touchy or sweet, but like they're not even corny or sappy. They just don't play at all. This budget reportedly somewhere in like the 140 million range, and so far this has made about 20 million dollars. Do you guys expect that number to rise significantly? I don't. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very interested to see the returns on this thing because I can't imagine this is getting very good word of mouth. It was critically panned. Um, and like you guys said, it's not even really that fun of a role in an Emmerich film, which is unfortunate. But, hey, you know, if he got to make it and he had a good time, that's cool. I, I, I feel like the studio is going to come to Roland Emmerich's house and be like, hey, pay up. <laughs> you cost us a ton of money. It's coming out of your paycheck. Yeah, I have to imagine that this was expected to be a much bigger hit, um, but who knows? Was it when every movie got delayed and they're just like, ah, just keep it where it is? Well, you're right, and it is in February, which doesn't bode well, but I don't know, you figure with Roland Emmerich, you, you would be getting something above $20 million, but it, it's not over yet, I suppose. But when was the last time he came out with anything reasonably good, though? 2012, right, maybe? Enough. And even that was, I mean, that was, not, I'm not going to go into 2012. Uh, oh, God. I'm not even going to go into 2012 right now. But that wasn't his best. Was that Roland Emmerich just, like, kicking your door down? <laughs> that noise? <laughs> it was me hitting my printer. It just, it just went in your doorway. I mean, yeah, this, was, this wasn't funded by a major American studio, it doesn't look like. Um, so, yeah, maybe the the confidence in his box office returns is not there in certain areas as much anymore. He is ready to get into spoilers, quote-unquote, for Moonfall. There's, there's no way to spoil this movie because you shouldn't see it, but yes. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. for anybody who wants to, I respect you, um, but let's get into it. So plot points from this point forward, spoilers. Spoiler warning, if you have not seen the following movie, Please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. We begin with Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry, and this other astronaut who are doing some... He may or may not be named. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't... Well, I didn't even remember their character names. They are... We could call him Kirsch. Yeah, Kirsch. <laughs> Halle Berry is... Jacinda Joe Fowler and Patrick Wilson is Brian Harper. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to refer to them as their actor names. They're fixing some things in space. Then there's this like black 
swarm of flies or something that looks like a mass of mosquitoes. It destroys their ship. It kills that third crewmate. They're singing Africa by Toto, which is, with all due respect to Africa, that is just one of those songs that has been overplayed to death in my mind. Like, it just annoys me to hear it, not because I don't like the song, but there was a period a few years ago when every single person needed to sing that song at all times. Can I just bring up a point about that? Did anyone think the, the misheard lyrics bit was funny in any way? When they made that film, someone someone that wrote it was like, oh, this will kill at the, the theaters. I thought it was okay. Oh, okay. That was why when that came on, I was like, okay, if this is what we're doing, okay, I'm here for it. And then it just didn't continue no. throughout. Do you guys have a song that has been overplayed to death and you just can't even have a positive experience with it anymore? Oh, that's a good I don't question. think I do. I, I'd have to think about that one. You know what really it is? You. you know what it is? And I like this song, but it's just been way overplayed in the last few years. And that's, um, um, can't even think of the name of it. What's that Journey song? Don't, <laughs> Don't Stop, Stop Believing. Yes, couldn't think of it off the top of my head. That got so overplayed in the last, like, ten years, or, like, even before yeah, that. it did. It did. They're singing Africa. And I... What did you guys think the swarm was when you first saw it? Because I thought this was just going to be the moon falls out of orbit. Not like the, all this stuff that we get into later. But what did you guys think the swarm was in the beginning? I thought it was the dumbest looking alien imaginable. <laughs> I thought it was Johnny Depp because it was a black mass. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. I wish it had oh, just God. been Alf and that they had casted Alf as, as this... This AI alien stuff. That would have made the movie so much more enjoyable. Nobody believes Wilson and Barry when they get back to Earth. He's fired. At this point, I think it's going okay. I'm I'm set up for a good time, a good disaster time. But then we fast forward 10 years later. We have Casey Houseman, played by John Bradley, who, as I mentioned, is is just giving it his all in this. And I hope he's good in Marry Me, too. He believes that the Earth was made. He is a constructionist, which I don't the moon. know. If, the moon was made. I don't made. know. If, oh, did I say, the, did earth? say the Earth? <laughs> I apologize. The moon. This whole thing's about well, the moon. Technically, a, he's what is it? A megastructure? It's a megastructure. Yeah. I don't know if we need any more moon-related conspiracy theories, but we got one in this movie. Uh, he discovers that the moon is out of orbit. Again, nobody believes him. This is kind of similar, and I'm not trying to compare all his characters to this. Kind of similar to Samuel Tarley in Game of Thrones. The exact he discovers He discovers a catastrophic event that is impending, and he has to tell people, and nobody believes him, so he has to take matters into his own hands. It is a very similar story arc. Also, a lot of Elon Musk compliments uh, from Yeah, him. that was awful. That was bad. A lot of kind of SpaceX promotion, which I don't know why that was in there. I'm like, like regardless of views on either side, I don't know why that was in this movie. I assume it was a paid advertisement. <laughs> yeah, I like mean, Kaspersky. Maybe. That could be. Imagine running a company. Uh, we have, like we need. So Charlie Plummer plays Patrick Wilson's son, who like I guess they haven't had much of a relationship he is having a bail hearing 
I don't know what he was arrested for. Do you guys remember at all? They were running his friend were like on a joyride or something. Oh. Yeah, they show the police. He was just chase. happy in a car. Oh, I I'm sorry, I didn't remember that. And then when I tried researching it, the synopsis said nothing about it. Yeah, remember it. she's like, turn on the news right now, and he's like, ah, oh, some oh, idiot trying yeah, to run okay. on the cop, and like, that's your son. <laughs> oh, and he comes comes out with his arms up. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Well, Patrick Wilson thinks that he can just speak freely in this bail hearing. He's not an attorney, but he can just convince the judge that his son should be let go. Well, he is an ex-astronaut. That's like the next best thing. I don't know if it is. I don't know if astronauts are required to take the bar. A disgraced ex-astronaut at that. Yeah, a disgraced one. (laughs) It doesn't go well. He doesn't get bail. Uh, Everybody... So it's discovered that the moon is out of orbit because NASA sends up more crew members and they are killed by, lo and behold, the swarm, which we still don't know. Halle Berry does some digging and this is where we got get the Donald Sutherland scene. And as mentioned, I think Donald Sutherland is probably the best part of this movie. Uh, there was a cover-up years ago about the moon and the moon's origins and this, this alien life form that is attacking... And then he just scoots out, and he says goodbye, and I expected to see him later, and he does not I think, come back. I think it's implied that he committed suicide. When? Because he's loading a revolver in his office when she comes in, and then he says, I have business to attend to, and it cuts to the revolver on his desk. Oh. Oh, I totally missed that. <laughs> you fell asleep in this movie, and you remember way more than me. Yeah, see? Because, you know, once I fell asleep, I was, I was once I woke up, I was, I was re- reawakened. I was there for details. That's very early in the movie that you fell asleep, then. Yeah, it was early. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know when it was in the movie. <laughs> I thought this I mean, was you a were... little, like, ha- I don't even know. You weren't like the guy next to us, the the gentleman. Like anything happened. Whoa! Mm. Oh yeah. Ah. <laughs> Side note: When I went to see Sundown, there is a, a scene where there is a it's a cut to the inside of a house, and there is a a, a violently injured animal in the room. <laughs> when the shot came up, somebody in the theater was like, as loud as can be. They were like, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Now that's hammer time. Yeah, that's, that's hammer time. <laughs> we gotta tell that story sometime. Yeah. That's, pe- people talking out in the theater, it's always sometimes a little more interesting than actually what's going on sure. on screen. Uh, we, get, we start to get the natural disasters. We have earth and turmoil. There are tsunamis, gravity abnormalities... So the scene where, like, the two guys were, like, trying to get to the ship to safety and they were, like, hopping in the... I was like... I, was... I remember that. That looks so bad. And I was, like... I saw it for a second. I'm like, what is going on? But then I'm like, oh, I guess the gravity would be, like, thrown off. But it's it just... Like, they just... They were way high up there. And, and like, they knew... To do the form where they like swing their arm half above their head. See, so that, I guess they were trained. Well, that's that's the kind of stuff I was talking about. Where like, I couldn't fall asleep because I kept having to try and make those connections in my mind. Like, oh, that's why they're doing that. Yeah, because the movie obviously doesn't really have 
any logic to it, so you gotta make your own to make it make sense. Well, don't worry, we're gonna get a story later on that's gonna explain everything. Uh, so, Wilson, Barry, and John Bradley are gonna go up and see if they can fix this situation. They're about to blast off in a rocket. Wilson says goodbye to his son, and unless I'm remembering incorrectly, which I guess it's likely at this point, this is their exchange. Charlie Plummer says, I know it wasn't always easy. And Wilson says, well, that makes two of us. Am I wrong in that? Do you guys remember that? That could have 100% happened. It could have been not happened. I don't remember. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what they said. And if so, then that's an exchange that was meant to be heartfelt, but it was basically like, yeah, I know our relationship kind of sucked for my whole life. And he's like, yeah, I recognize that as well. And then they hug and he leaves. And he gives him a gun. So, you know, oh, but that's not the last we see of him. No, no, it isn't. It's not It's not the second to last we see of him either. Again, the emotional moments don't work. Halle Berry has like a kind of nice one with her son, but it's... How about her husband? Yeah, that, uh, that whole storyline was, was okay. There was just there were too many too many balls up in the air with this. They take off in there. There's like a giant tsunami wave coming for them, and they're about to blast off in the rocket ship. And Charlie Plummer, who is now in a car with Halle Berry's son, her son, and her foreign exchange student that she houses, played by Kelly Yu, they're all in a car, and they're about to take off. Again, this giant wave is still coming for them, and Charlie Plummer decides he's going to stop and make sure that his dad gets up okay in the spaceship. And then as soon as they blast off, he's like, oh, oh, we gotta go, we gotta go. Like, yeah, you need to go. (laughs) We're going to take a moment just to talk about this B story with with, uh, the son, the exchange student, and the other son. Uh, I just want to mention Michael Pena as, I think, Charlie Plummer's stepfather, very caring stepfather. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does that seem to be the case? Tom? Uh, yeah, Tom Michael Lopez. Pena. Very generic name. Michael uh, Pena, often much better than the roles he has provided in some of these movies, which is disappointing sometimes, but he gave it us all. He also owns an Acura dealership. Was that Acura? Yeah. Oh, well, some good placement for them. We have the Charlie Plummer, the exchange student, and um, Halle Berry's son. They come upon some thieves. They're stopped on the road, and the thieves have guns. (laughs) And so they're very scared. They steal a backpack from the little kid, I think. And Charlie Plummer's like, hey, everybody, let's just calm down. And one of these thieves goes, oh, wise guy, what are you, college boy? what what indicated that he was a college guy never mind the fact that like he how he must not have ever seen a post-apocalyptic or disaster movie before because whenever you see a car stopped on the road and the world is ending you don't stop and roll down your window to talk to them no it's always a trap always also i just want to make a point of these are apparently the only three other people in the world right now <laughs> the only other humans yes. you see on the planet other than this group of the, like the, the, the main characters well you know why because they're all in Colorado 
Everybody's going every, to Colorado. Every single character has a separate revelation. Like they're like, <laughs> I don't know if this is the part on the screenwriters or what, but they're like, oh, f- floods, we gotta get to Colorado. Like that's the highest point in the world. <laughs> it's just, it's just. Unless they were, uh, unless that was like a call to the stand where they all have the dreams to go to Boulder or something like that. But I, I don't think that's the case. It must have just been cheap to. to to uh, shoot in Colorado. So I'm like, yeah, that works. Yeah. And you're absolutely right about these being the only people because they find them again. The thieves the thieves are not done. Yeah, how much time was in between their meetings? <laughs> they just found them again, <laughs> happened upon them again. And they figure, hey, we didn't take all their stuff the first time. I bet they have more stuff to take this time. You don't, you don't think the studio just ran out of a budget to cast different actors for different to be different a second round of thieves (laughs) (laughs) it's all thieves out there once the moon falls it's all thieves uh we have this car chase which i know tyler you had some specific thoughts about this car chase it doesn't even look like a live action movie anymore the cgi is awful like it looks so terrible also it's the dumbest car chase scene i've ever seen in anything ever there's a point where there's like a jump, they jump over, over a gap in the world. Just the world is breaking apart at this point, and then that just becomes like that doesn't matter later that the world is cracked down the middle. Mm. They quickly forget that that happened. Or the, like, yeah, I mean, the the amount of destruction they tried to portray, and then. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, we're already in spoilers. At the end, when, like, every they save the Earth, it's like, okay, it's all good now. <laughs> no other consequences or repercussions yeah. of anything. <laughs> like, in this car chase, they, well, first of all, it's just a stupid they're shooting back at each other. Like, hey, shoot back at them, that'll stop them. And then one gets crushed by a tree, but in, when a tree lands on them, apparently the car's reaction is to shoot up into the air. Explode, and then so the car shoots like fifty feet into the air, exploding. And the woman in the other car is like, "We gotta go back for him." Well, there's another tree crushing scene that is even more ridiculous than this one. Oh yeah. So what? First of all, there's a Karen joke in this movie, which I'm over. I'm done with it. Like stop. But we have. Michelle Yu and, or I'm sorry, not Michelle, wrong name. Kelly Yu, who plays Michelle, that's her name, Michelle. Kelly Yu and Charlie Plummer, who jump over this giant gap because of the low gravity. They're very reminiscent of the Edward Norton jump in, in uh, Moonrise Kingdom, only not nearly as good. And then Charlie Plummer is crushed by a tree. But that's okay, because with low gravity... Kelly, you can just lift the tree off of him, and he's not even injured. I just, he's all good. I, 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 well, that's I wanted, only because the moon was in a particular spot. <laughs> I just, I just want to reiterate for people that haven't seen this and aren't aware, this isn't like a small tree that lands on him. This is a tree that covers like from his chest to like his legs, just lying on top of him, and he's like, ah, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> and then she's like, ah, oh, well, the moon's gonna help you get it off. <laughs> like. And he's just not, yeah, not doesn't even react to the fact that this massive tree has been on top of him, crushing him. Also, we skipped over Tom's sacrifice, which is a heartfelt moment. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
Yes, Tom sacrificed himself for his stepdaughter. He's like, don't don't look. Just keep going forward. And she's like, yeah, but aren't you coming? He's like, I will if you don't look at me. And she's like, okay. Doesn't and she's like, are you sure you're not cut? He's like, don't. You can't look at me. And then he just dies. I also like how the rest of the family apparently got like hundreds of feet in front of them and just were like, wait, where are they? Also, how does that little girl run out of oxygen first out of all of them? I don't know. Good point. <laughs> so, poor Tom. So, at one point, they're like, the oxygen's coming back. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they're like, oh, I better put these masks back on. I didn't understand what was going on there. It's because you're not a scientist. <laughs> Clearly. That's why. Up on the moon, we have a bunch of, like, flying around. And I don't remember much of that at all. That was like peak, like I'm trying not to fall asleep. That, that too, it, I was I was struggling to stay awake during that. Yeah. It looked like a worse version of the flight sequences from the Star Wars prequels. Yes, definitely. But at least something happened during those flight sequences where this one was just literally 30 minutes of them going down a dark hole that they're like, we can't see anything. <laughs> so why didn't the hole spit them up like it did with that other probe? Because they didn't have power. They turned the power oh. off. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Sure. <laughs> there are that. very few details I remember this. I remember that he's like, I gotta turn on the engines. And then the thing was like, ah! You really focused in on these like very specific things. I'm, I did. That, I'm, that's, I'm impressed. See, that's when I like came out of my dreamlike state for a few minutes, got some of the story, and then just entered it again. <laughs> Or maybe you absorbed it in your sleep and remembered <laughs> it, be it better. Too. So we get, and I want you guys to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but we get the explanation for how the moon came to be. The greatest origin story of our time. Years ago, eons ago, the moon was constructed by human ancestors who were more technologically advanced than we are today. But they built this AI, which is the Black Swarm, and they had to build the moon as an escape ship to get away from the AI Black Swarm that got too strong and turned on their creators. Am I correct so far? Am I missing anything? That sounds about right. I believe so. <laughs> uh, and this swarm, the one that we see in the movie, is one of those who found the moon in the Milky Way. And the AI was like, hey, that, that doesn't look real. That looks like a constructed figure. Well, so I believe, I believe what happened is, is me, me, the expert on this film here. So yeah, you really are. they were building multiple moons to be like arcs of humanity. And then the swarms attacked and the moon was the only one that survived. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Glad to so it turns out they were right uh, that the moon John Bradley was right that the moon was a human made thing generations ago towards the end we have Casey John Bradley who sacrifices himself he lures the swarm away so that they can destroy it and then his he joins the consciousness of the moon is that an accurate statement Oh, you mean the consciousness that's, like, in the weird, like, 
like extremely lit room that like yeah the the nether region of yeah of no, the moon that just just shows your loved ones talking to you yeah yeah, yeah i think that's about right also this movie yeah. had the audacity to set up a sequel in this scene where they're like we have a lot to they do did. and he's like all right let's go and then it cuts the credits yeah back back on earth we have patrick wilson halle berry they make it back and i believe halle berry says if earth gets a second chance why not us are you saying you're like as deserving of the earth as a second chance i didn't, I didn't get that logic at yeah, all i, didn't know I, th- I thought it was the culmination of like of like repressed sexual tension between the two characters that was not actually apparent there but they it, were it trying wasn't, to shoehorn though. at the end <laughs> I, I know but they were trying i think they were trying to shoehorn something at the end there i mean patrick wilson and halle berry both very attractive people but i i didn't get that yeah because there was I, no... i'm not saying they, they showed it i'm saying I, they tried to show that or i felt like that they were trying to set that up at the end I thought it was kind of like, oh, we're disgraced people, so we get a second chance. Like, you can be an astronaut again. But she wasn't, so I didn't really understand where that was right. going. It, it, it makes as much sense as anything. I just I want just to circle back like real quick, line. though. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just want to circle back real quick. They also had the audacity to rip off the Star Trek trope of, like, of like I'm gonna sacrifice myself. No, I'm gonna sacrifice myself. And then having like the pane of glass between them, like no, don't do it. And it's like goodbye. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. It was just Jeremy Renner and Scarlett Johansson repeatedly pulling each other <laughs> over the ledge. <laughs> no, but they did that in both con storylines in Star Trek, and and they really tried to tried to rip that off of here. Space movies are is a genre that is really riddled with cliche, sometimes for better or worse. So I think that's a good point you bring up. And then Tyler, as you mentioned, we get this this cliffhanger sequel fodder of oh, we got plenty of work to do. I cannot possibly imagine what the sequel to this movie would be about. Do you guys have any ideas? John Bradley is the moon. <laughs> yeah, instead of seeing the moon up in the sky, it's just his face. <laughs> I, I don't think we'll have to worry too much about that. I don't know. I Yeah, if it loses a ton of money, I don't know if it'll be made. I don't really want to see the sequel. I usually like to give any movie a chance, but I'm not pumped for that one. What if um what if they like b- start building this into like a Roland Emmerich multiverse? Oh god. The the RCU, the no, or the or the ECU, the Emmerich Cinematic Universe. Next, get Will Smith and um, Dennis Quaid in the next one, and John Cusack. I say they they make this just a full space movie universe, and like at the end, instead of Casey as he's about to sacrifice himself, George Clooney from Gravity just floats, and he's like, "I'll take this." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought I was gonna die out there. (laughs) Then, then everyone in the theater could have like a No Way Home reaction, (laughs) jumping up. Yeah. If they really did that, do you think people would know? <laughs> no, people, is that George I, no, Clooney? I, I... <laughs> Although it could be him in that or him in Solaris. Is that Ocean's Can 12, say... George Clooney? <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, speaking of that, I, for a minute, the way that the movie was just going way off the rails, 
I thought for a second that the original astronaut was going to be living on the moon and he was going to be like the big antagonist or the or at least the big like <laughs> <laughs> just an astronaut with a handgun. <laughs> He's sitting in a chair with his back to the to the um, to Patrick Wilson, like Blofeld, just like. So you finally figured it out. <laughs> they come in and he's practicing his villain speech under his breath, and he's like, "Oh, oh, oh they're here." <laughs> Wait a second! No one else is supposed to be up here. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, here's here's the moonfall too. Moon fell. You guys have any final thoughts on moonfall? I, I like that it got away with an extra half an F word. What was the spoken one? I don't remember the spoken. So the spoken one. Okay, so the spoken one is when John Bradley's character was working the drive-through, and then he like oh, was he goes, like reading the oh, document F. or whatever, and he's like, "What the f?" Oh, and she's like, "What oh, sauce yeah. was that?" Yeah. <laughs> And then the the I'll give them points for the creativity of the written one on the side. I don't know who's writing F the moon though. Like who's angry at the moon? Someone broke in. So I'm guessing this that the, like the moon's falling. I'm gonna break into the museum and write this on a space shuttle. It was definitely a werewolf who is mad that they are are uh, are plunged into animosity once a month by that monstrous rock in the sky. You know, it'd be hilarious if they're like, oh, the only existing space shuttle is in a museum in Portland, and it just says F Seattle on the side. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be funny. Uh, That's the only other thing I wanted to add. The rest of this movie I I could just forget about, and I would be fine. Yeah, I agree. But hey, anytime we get to go to the movies is a good time. I have a, sure. I have a thought, and what would have made this movie more enjoyable is if like a piece of the moon fell off, crashed through the theater, and landed on me and crushed me. <laughs> that would have been more enjoyable <laughs> than this movie. And the guy next to us would have gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have said, that's Hammer Time. That's Hammer Time. You call nine one one. There's been a hammer time here. You need to get we'll here right fast. There. Why? What happened? Hammer time. Like, oh no! Like, oh my god! <laughs> we, I, you know, we just gotta save that story for when we ever, if we ever go back and talk about the Suicide Squad, for some reason. Yes, agreed. That right. Story. Maybe the next DC movie to come out. Yeah, uh, it's soon. Next month. Oh yeah. What is it? The Batman. Oh. Yeah, I don't. We were just talking about that before. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of that. Uh, maybe during the Batman. But if you saw Moonfall, if you wanted to see Moonfall, if you have any other thoughts about Oscar nominations, anything like that, anything at all, please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, you could really help us out a lot by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod, and our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me online at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus, S-U-T-K-U-S. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallup and on Letterboxd at M Gallup. Well, please give thanks for the normal moons that we have in the sky. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. 
Thanks, everybody. Take care. See you. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.